0: Listeners to the QBS Express, the ACEC Kansas podcast series. We're excited to announce our guest today. We have Speaker of the House Ron Reichman Jr. with us here at uh, Jay Wilson's restaurant in Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, Ron represents the good people of the 78th District in Olathe and the surrounding areas. Mr. Speaker, we appreciate you coming on the podcast. It's good to have you here.
1: Oh, Scott, thanks so much for having me on. But if you you do me a favor and call me Ron, I'd appreciate it.
0: Uh, I can do that. Thank you. I can do that. Uh, It's great to have you here. We've been excited about this. We've had to reschedule a couple times and and been looking forward to finally getting to pay dirt and making this come together. Uh, Again, for our listeners out there, the timing is is pretty fortuitous. It's mid-December when we're doing the podcast, and uh, here just a few days ago, the House got together and had their leadership elections, and Ron was reelected for another term as Speaker of the House. Congratulations. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate that what uh, uh i can't imagine what goes into a campaign we had speaker pro tim finch on a podcast the other day he talked about what it's like trying to it's one thing asking voters for your vote it's another thing asking for politicians so i assume you're glad it's over
1: yeah we're we're definitely glad that's over and ready to uh, uh, continue to work work or work next session yeah
0: what uh so tell me what's the best and the worst part about being speaker of the house
1: You know, I think the best thing, at least in the last two years, is, you know, we're able to take uh, sometimes complicated issues and and have folks get in a room and and, and talk them out. And when you take an issue that could be very contentious and turn it into the things that are real important and you kind of get rid of the things that aren't and you're able to solve a problem, it's it's very rewarding.
0: Yeah, and I assume more opportunity to do that if you're in a leadership position, you know, committee chair or whatever, but speaker of the house, I'm sure – uh, you have the opportunity or maybe even the responsibility uh, to do that more than most.
1: Well, lots of times, you know, it's 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 used that are very important to the state. And in politics or in business, it's it's very easy sometimes to make things emotional. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you can remove the emotion and, and turn up your listening a bit, um, I think it can be very beneficial. And that's definitely the case in politics. And in the few times we'll be able to make that happen when we get two uh, groups that are on opposing sides to come together, and uh, find common ground, that's like I said, that's, that's rewarding and makes it worth it.
0: Yeah, well, I won't ask you to comment on this, uh, but I'll say it because it's a compliment for our, our listeners out there that don't work in the political world every day. Being in a leadership position is a fine balance between uh, nudging people into a room together to, to find harmony and balance and alternatively knocking skulls for people that don't want to get there. Uh, in spite of all your best efforts, uh, which you do a nice job of. So you always hear athletes talk about, you know, winning world championships or Olympic medals or whatever and uh, how so many of them will, you know, they finally get that, that medal or that World Series crown and then they say, you know, the only thing they can think is coming back and repeating next year. So I have to ask, what's better? Uh, winning Speaker of the House or being reelected Speaker of the House.
1: Well, well first, let's be clear. I would much rather be World Series champion. <laughs> you know, so you know, I don't. <laughs> it pays better, I think. Well, uh, let's hope. Uh, yeah. You know, I think it's, um, I, I think it's the, the actually having the chance to do it again. You know, you mentioned the leadership, um, the, the process that you maybe talked with Representative Finch about um, to, to become Speaker. And the first time you know, you're know, you talking to a lot of your colleagues and talking about what you're going to do and talk about the characteristics that you have or the process you want to put in place, I think this last time it was two things. First, it was talking about what we did do. And to then have that the vote to reaffirming what you did uh, was rewarding, that we're on the right path, that folks do believe in process, they do believe in the rule of law, they do believe in the uh, uh, atmosphere that lets the best ideas rise to the top. And that's what we really pushed. Um, and also the second time for us going through the state, it wasn't uh, nearly about becoming elected, It's about what can we learn from our representatives in each part of the state. And it really was a listening tour. Um, and I'm, I'm from Southwest Kansas and grew up in Mead, Kansas, but going out there again with the eyes open, not in a, I hate to say this in a more selfish way that you want to become speaker, but I believe I'm going to be speaker. How can I make the state better? And what can I learn from you uh, to help accomplish that goal? And so it was a very rewarding uh, uh, experience, and I, I'm looking forward to putting teams together and to, to carry that vision forward in the next two years.
0: That's awesome, a uh, a positive campaign message. What a revolutionary thought that is! Uh, and uh, you can share with our listeners too. I know you squeaked by with a thin margin of victory. What was the final total there?
1: I'm not. It was. Um, we had over 80. I'm not for sure it was <laughs>
0: 80 something to four. Yeah, I Yeah, that's right. That was if, 80 to uh, four. That's correct. Yeah, uh, better margin than you're going to get in most World Series games.
1: Uh, that, yes, that's that was. We were very pleased with the uh, support that we have from from our caucus, yeah. from from both, you know, from from most everybody in their caucus.
0: Very professionally said, sir. Uh, what, going back a little bit farther than that? What this is a, a fun question to ask anybody that holds elected office. What drew you into politics in the first place? And, and that could be, you know, what drew you into your first race? Or maybe what I'm really more interested in than that is even just as a kid, what got you mentally stimulated yeah. into the policy world? Yeah, I,
1: you know, my, my father was a government teacher and was very involved in politics, and, and so was our family. You know, the, the times around the dinner table, dinner table, we're talking about politics. And if you're going to watch TV, uh, and especially around the, 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 the news hour, you're going to watch uh, the news. Um, and I remember, you know, the, you know, I remember having an old newspaper with a red and a green, and a red and a blue crayon filling the states when, when Ronald Reagan won. That's awesome. And it was uh, an experience I'll never will forget. Um, so it's always been embedded in me that that, that getting involved is important. Um, now, I, I think what leads, the, the second part of your question was, leads you to actually file and run and the only explanation that is a temporary lapse of sanity
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah well I'm sure I'm sure that's a recurring thought you have every day you serve is what in the world was I thinking in the first place
1: yes that that that's one that happens every day
0: yeah so uh you and I are the same age or at least within a few months of each other Uh, I won't say how old that is but it was before as a kid, you got to choose between Fox, CNN, MSNBC, blah, blah, blah. We we had three, and you said the news was always on. Who was the anchor you remember when you were a kid most?
1: Um, probably Peter Jennings.
0: Yeah, ABC. Yep. Yeah, uh, we were we were Jennings and Brokaw, but yep. we were not a Rather household. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, well. Another awesome story I'd like to explore a little bit, if you don't mind, Uh, you mentioned your dad being a government teacher and inspiring your interest in it. Uh, Ron has one of the greatest stories you'll find in the legislature um, and very rare. Uh, He actually, you actually served in the legislature at the same time with your father representing two different districts. That's got to be incredible.
1: Yeah, that was um, an experience that I will never forget, one that I, tra- I cherish, one that I, um, you know, I, there's, and in, in really the answer to answer the, the question I didn't fully answer about the why I filed, uh, to sit there and be honest, the, the, having an opportunity to serve with my father was the most important factor. Uh, it, you know, you want to say it's because you want to make the state better and you think you can make a difference or. I was very <laughs> upset with the direction brock Obama was taking our nation in all those played in the factor but the biggest decision for me was i have a chance to do this with my father and uh he, I'm he so was good. already in yeah my father was there two years before i um he was a, a school teacher who retired who's an awful he's a great school teacher not so good at being retired <laughs> uh, and so uh, there's only so many uh, trips and so many uh, uh, cruises you can take in the year and he decided to um, to uh, enter the house, and um, and then I was able to, um, and two years later, get a chance to join him, and I'm, I'm so fortunate and blessed to have that opportunity.
0: Yeah, that is awesome. Uh, and he got out uh, before you became speaker. He did, So yeah. you never had to crack the whip on your own father.
1: Well, I'm not sure how that would have worked out. <laughs> um, I think I might know. <laughs>
0: because i worked with your dad <laughs> yeah again
1: it, my, my father is my, my role model um and i had a chance again to, to serve him for four years uh, four years that i will i will cherish
0: yeah so tell me what it's like when you wind up on the other side of an issue with the old man how do you uh well, <laughs> does that make for a, a a crappy easter holiday
1: you know the, the the first time it happened um it's interesting that our if you, those that are familiar with the house floor you'll see that our, our names are up in lights and And it was Reichman uh, Sr. and Reichman Jr. up on the House floor. And if you vote uh, positively, your name is in in green. If you vote negatively, your your name is in red. And a lot of folks were like, man, how are the Reichman's going to vote? They're politically aligned, but yet one's from southwest Kansas and one lives in Johnson County. Now, I grew up in southwest Kansas, but obviously I was elected in Johnson County. And I remember the very first vote uh, when we were opposite. And his, I believe I was a red light, he was a green light, I heard this shriek. He he sat right behind me, uh, just to my right. Uh, Now, growing up, I was Ronnie in in Meade, Kansas. We couldn't have two Rons. And for 20 years, uh, I started my own business in in Olathe, in Johnson County. I was Ron. And then I come to the house, and instead of being Ronnie, I was Ron Jr. And that's kind of the name In fact. I think you start the broadcast by saying, uh, this is Speaker Ron Reichman Jr. Mm -hmm. You bet. And so that's a lot of people. I go by that now. Um, But when I was in high school, I was still Ronnie. And so I remember voting opposite of my dad the very first time. And over my right shoulder, I heard this shriek. My dad yelled, Ronnie! <laughs> now, normally when I heard that tone, something not positive was going to happen. <laughs> and I, I quickly realized that, what am I so worried about? I'm, I'm too big to spank. Right. And I'm too old to ground. <laughs>
0: well, it, uh, it could have been worse. You know you've hit the... the Devil's Edge when they use your first and your middle name.
1: Oh, man, that's true. And, I, you know, it's uh, I hear the Ronnie Wayne, I'm in trouble. Yeah, I'm in trouble. absolutely. Oh, he, and another thing he tried after that was he knows that my favorite thing in the world is what my mom makes is no-bake cookies. And so we had a vote. I think it dealt with um, wind energy that we were opposite sides of. And he had this box of cookies or sack of cookies on his desk. And as we walked into the house floor, he pointed to him and said, we'll see how you vote. <laughs>
0: Uh, is that not bribing an elected well, official it, it, with no baked cookies?
1: It didn't work because I voted opposite. <laughs> and then I grabbed the cookies and ran.
0: <laughs> so it's not bribery, but it might be theft.
1: Well, there you go. Right. And I'll, I'll su- plead the fifth. I suspect your old man would not press charges, though. <laughs> uh, my mom fantastic. wouldn't let him.
0: Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, if uh, if Reichman Senior is is emotionally stirred and moved by no baked cookies, then he's a man after my own heart. Yes. Yeah. That's an outstanding incentive. Um, I asked you earlier what the best thing was. Uh, Actually, what I asked you earlier is what's the best and the worst thing about being speaker. And you mentioned the best was getting people together and getting the emotion out of the argument, getting the facts to the table, which I think is pretty cool. Um, But I want to hold you to the other question, too, which might be a little harder. What's, I say, the worst thing about being speaker? Um, You know, that might be um, whether it's the demand of the hours or the travel or whether it's the – frustrations with trying to keep committee chairs on task it might be a specific piece of legislation it might be not enough hours in the day what what's the hardest thing about about being speaker and running that house of representatives
1: you, you know i i think a, a couple things and one is you, you obviously you can't please everybody um and you know saying if you you're trying you're gonna you're you're gonna disappoint everybody mm-hmm. and so you you try to do what's best uh, for the caucus for the state and realize that's the reason why you made the decision Uh, but probably more than that it's the uh, amount of misinformation that gets out there there's not enough time in a day to respond to you know every constituent call or every uh everything you hear in the the press or you might make a comment and somebody gets 30 seconds of the comment not the full five minutes that you talked about and so uh, lots of times especially with the world of social media and twitter it's the just the part that was that was said that that gets repeated just a small segment instead of the the, con, the complete context yeah and people then get to choose what your motivation was instead of asking you uh... what the true motivation was um, And so I, I think i've learned to realize that's just part of it um, that to continue to go about every day and and then to try to choose what you respond to and what you don't we normally choose not to respond and just move on uh, to the next issue but it's a balance uh, but it's unfortunate
0: yeah it's tough too you know the unless people really really get waste deep into it people don't realize how much you know an issue you may support a specific public policy but if you've got the wrong language drafted in the bill then you need to oppose it it could do more harm than good even though the policy change you're aspiring to may be something you completely agree with philosophically so i know just in working with you you know personally in other leadership there are times you may have a policy that you even agree with let me say that another way a public policy aspiration of a bill that i know you support but the bills drafted wrong or the bills um you know being held up because of other outstanding reasons timing and People get so frustrated with that if they don't know the why behind it, and I'm sure that's got to be a challenge too.
1: Yeah, I realize being on the podcast, me shaking my head, yes, um, up and down. doesn't does <laughs> I can see you nodding People your head, can't yeah. pick up on that, but you're, you're exactly right. Um, that, that is part of the frustration. Um, it, you know, and that kind of goes along with one of the things my father taught me in politics is that the issue is never the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't make a lot of sense when he first told me, but it makes a lot of sense now. Um, and it's the, the things that it's hard to explain. You don't have time to explain. Uh, but, you know, we go back to, you know, trying to do what we think is the best and and then moving from there.
0: Yeah. One last political question, and then we'll get to the interesting stuff. Uh, the real Ron Reichman, as it were, uh, proudest legislative achievement. You know, you talked about the most fun thing being seeing people get in the room, get the emotion out, get down to the best policy on an issue. Uh, but what's your proudest legislative achievement
1: yeah, you know I'm a, I'm a i'm a numbers guy and being able to look at a, a spreadsheet or look at projections and realize the state's in the right footing uh, that, that gives me a lot of satisfaction um, there's nothing conservative about not being able to pay your bills there's nothing conservative about over overspending um, you know we taxpayer money is precious and you want to make sure that the money's spent wisely and just a few business practices that we, we, we've implemented, sometimes administratively, sometimes through, through law, uh, it's been very rewarding. It's a little wonky, mm-hmm. but there's things that I kind of get excited about. Uh, performance-based budgeting something that we, we implemented that, that's going to come about where basically it says, okay, tell me, every agency, why you're spending this money and what's it tied to. Uh, just, just don't give me a number and tell me to give you the same number next year or add to it. Tell me what you're going to do with taxpayer money. That's something that we had to do uh, through a law. Yeah. Uh, having a, a savings account is something that the state hasn't had. Something we had to put in the law to require, and so folks, you know, you don't get in a situation where you can't, uh, you don't have money to, to to change the oil and engine. Yeah. Uh, those are type of situations we don't we want to see the state get into.
0: Seven point five percent is that still in statute? The ending balance that's supposed to be there. You
1: know, it is. It's something that every year that we pass, what we call a proviso. They're taken out. That's a pretty hefty lift. Uh, it's obviously a goal. Um, and you try to balance the other needs of the state. It's something. It's a great goal to have, and something that we haven't been able to achieve in, yeah. th- in the past. That we're really close to now.
0: It's been it's been a long time since yes. since that's been uh, getting closer to that is an achievement in and of itself. Really. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of fiscal responsibility, what a great segue. My next note was to get out of the legislative stuff, uh, get into more of your individual um, life, whatever you want to call it. Uh, tell the listeners out there. Everybody knows you're speaker of the House. What's what's your day job? Because as as most of our listeners probably do know, being a legislator doesn't exactly provide for a life of luxury.
1: Uh, no, we don't do it for the money. Um, you know, the my my main uh, day job is that I own a commercial a roofing company, and that takes up the majority of my time.
0: How'd you get into that?
1: I started a residential roofing company Mm -hmm. uh, right out of college. And um, from, you know, with that company, we we did a lot of new construction single family homes. Uh, We ended up doing siding and windows and landscape. Uh, Did a lot of new construction, uh, both commercial and residential. uh, And then sold that. And um, then a few years ago, started just the commercial division again.
0: And pretty much just the roofing side now?
1: Yep, just roofing. Kind of simplified it to um, just. Just roofing and just commercial.
0: Very good. Uh also on the more personal side of things, one of the coolest things I think about you and the stories that I'm aware of the things we've talked about, some pretty cool relationships in your personal life uh with names that people a lot of people at least would know. Uh starting off with and I have to give this caveat, I, I grew up a Yankee hater as yep. a Royals Me fan. Too. Me too. Uh but a guy that even as a Yankee is pretty hard not to like, but you got a chance to know Mariano Rivera.
1: Yeah, Mariano's a, a, a great man. In fact, um, as great of a pitcher he is, he's a better person.
0: That's awesome. How in the world did you wind up meeting Mariano Rivera? <laughs>
1: it's one of those stories that, um, you know, you, you, when I tell it, people don't believe me until I show them the pictures and the numerous autographs. But, uh, you know, one of the things that, one of the companies I had was a, a building company and uh, we built single family homes and developed single family property. and. Um, you know, we have really good season tickets to the Royals and uh, we were gonna play the, the, the Yankees. And I had three of my neighbors ready to go and all three decided that for some reason they couldn't go but I was still gonna go. And so I, I stopped by a job site and just a guy that was working on a house, I uh, asked him if he'd like to go to the game and I grabbed two buddies. And they, three guys next new jumped in by my car. And as we were driving to the stadium, uh, through translation, one of the guys said that he married Mariano's cousin and it was from Panama. And, of course, I didn't believe him. I said, well, how was the last time you saw him? He said, about 15 years ago. Um, and I thought, well, that's kind of cool. Well, um, during that game, Mariano walked to the bullpen, and two of the, these guys I was with, who I just met, um, <laughs> walked over and, and chatted with him in the bullpen. And the, when the game was over, Mariano made a beeline to me and asked me if I could meet him after the game. You're kidding. Like, like I said, most people don't believe the story. But, um, you know, when then after the game was over, he, he kind of, there's a, you know, I'm part with all of the Yankees fans, and again, I can't stand the Yankees. Uh, <laughs> I'm a big Rolls fan. In fact, Mariano was the reason that we lost. He was a part of the evil empire. Right. Right? I love this year against him um, until you meet him. Um, uh, but we were, we were standing there out with all the other fans, and he looked at me and said, Do you have a car? I said, Sure. He just Give me a ride back to the hotel. Sure. He just
0: met you that night.
1: He hadn't even talked to me yet. And so I'm walking with him and these, these other three gentlemen to our car. He gets in the front seat, and then it kind of hits me. I've got Mariano Rivera, one of the best pitchers in the game, next to me. What questions can I ask him? Yeah. And so I just started rapid fire asking him questions. And he said, hey, can you at least drive me to the hotel first? (laughs) And so, (laughs) you know, we we, we made our way uh, to the uh, the plaza where he was staying. Now, the bus beat us because I took a a, a roundabout way that I can ask him every possible question I could think of. Uh, which he, he really got a kick out of. And, and after I dropped him off, he, he, I said, Hey, what are you doing tomorrow? And he says Nothing. I said, hey, Can I come by and, and introduce my daughter? He said, Sure. And so the next day I went to the hotel and, and, and introduced him, and talked to my, to introduce him to my daughter, and we talked. And he had me about 10 or 12 tickets and said, Hey, bring people to the game. And will you take me, give me a ride home again? You're kidding. And I'm not kidding. Asked
0: you for a ride home and again so we the next took him, night.
1: Took him a ride home for the next night. Now, and so then, the, then that day I said, Hey, can I take you to lunch tomorrow? And he said, Sure. And so I pick him up around 12 o'clock and uh, we take him to my house. i you know, this is kind of cool. I've got Mariana Rivera in my in my car here, my yeah. truck. I'm going to stop by some job sites, you know, kind of let people see him, you know, and kind of let him know what I do. And and so I obviously talked to we, 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 every place we stopped. We said, hey, you know, Mariana's coming to the house uh, for for lunch. Somehow that turned into, do you want to come to my house for lunch? And end up having about 50 people at my house. <laughs> for lunch Good and grief. you know that's when I saw this character you know he sat there and signed every autograph he played catch with everyone he took uh, pictures he called people on their cell phones he sat there for three hours and when I drove him back to the hotel um, for the now the third time you know we exchanged numbers and he he said anything that you can do for I can do for you let me know and I said if you go to World Series I want to go <laughs> he goes okay I'll get you World Series tickets uh and that kind of which
0: with the yankees is like three out of every four years, right right
1: it happened to be the same year they went to miami for the world series and i called him up and said hey you remember me because all i do i said you were you serious i said sure come on down Um, and so i end up uh, next thing i know i find myself in mariana's hotel suite in miami before world series and their friendship uh, kind of started that year and has progressed to uh, dinners to a a small business uh, partnership um, to uh, just being one of my best friends in the world.
0: That's crazy. And and
1: it, I and I started cheering for the Yankees only because if they won, I get to go to the playoff. Heck games. yeah. So, yeah, but as soon as he's out, I'm I'm back to hating them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, a couple of cool things there. One, just crazy circumstances that you stop by a job site and grab some dude and his two buddies, and they've got a Rivera connection and all that happens, but. Man, the other lesson, I mean, you don't get anything if you don't ask. I mean, you right. could have driven him home and not germed on him and asked him anything and dropped him off and never seen him again. So, yeah, uh, kudos to you, I suppose.
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, you know, there's pictures of, of, of him pitching to my boys, especially Christian, my middle son. And I remember the first time that, that Mariano threw to him, as was a bad pitch. Christian told him it was a bad pitch. <laughs> I was like, do you realize what you're yeah. saying to Mariano Rivera? <laughs> Or do you realize that Mariano Rivera is now pitching to you in our backyard and you're like telling him you're not very good at this, you know.
0: Out of the mouths <laughs> of babes. He's
1: lucky he didn't get beaned. Yeah, no doubt. But Mariano uh, would not wouldn't. He, uh, he laughed and looked at me and go, who's this guy? I go, well, he's my son.
0: <laughs> How old was your son at that point?
1: Oh, man. Five or six. That's funny. Yeah. Well,
0: fortunately, Mariano's a nice guy and didn't drop a slider on him with the next pitch. Course, that and
1: cutter. That cutter cut, it yeah. comes inside. So.
0: Yeah, no doubt. That would uh, that'd yep. give you PTSD to face that, even <laughs> as a little kid. That's too cool. That is just awesome. Uh, also on the list, now, we've talked about Mariano Rivera a little bit before, although I didn't know all of that. Uh, but I've heard rumors but never heard the full story of a Charles Barkley encounter. Yeah. The round mound of rebound.
1: Yeah. Um, I met Charles at a, a sprint center when it first opened up. And I uh, was able to go up and, and – <laughs> Was
0: he at the nacho stand? Well – what <laughs> <laughs> he, he, I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. Yeah, he might have been at the,
1: at the bar um, <laughs> in at the Legends area. I can't remember what it was called, but – you know, I walked up to, you know, you, you walk into a room and you see Charles Barkley. I mean, you, don't you have to go talk to him?
0: Well, I, evidently, based on your Mariano Rivera I mean, biography, you would, he, yeah. Well,
1: he's, he's standing right, sitting there right there by himself. Yeah. You know, and I'm, a, I'm a Kansas City and I'm proud Kansan and got to make him feel comfortable. There you go. And so, I you know, I walked up to him and just kind of briefly talked to him introduced myself and asked him what he's up to. And, and he was going to be inducted to, I think, the, uh, the uh, College Basketball Hall of Fame. Cool. Um, and so he was excited about that. And I walked back and. At that time, Dwayne Bow was a, a rookie when he was a uh, with the um, with the Chiefs, uh-huh. the LSU uh, standout wide receiver. And he goes, hey, do you know Charles Barkley? And I'm, of course, I'm like, sure. I, you know. <laughs> he goes, you think you can introduce, <laughs> introduce him to me? I'm like, I'd love to. And so I, I walked back up there with, I said, but only one condition. He goes, what's that? I said, you got to call me, cousin, I'm going to call you Cousin D. And he's like, all right. And so i walk up there and say, hey, Charles, I want you to introduce my good buddy, um, uh, uh, Dwayne Bowe, you know, my, my cousin D. <laughs> and so and so they they talked a little bit. And, and uh, they, I think they both thought I was with the other person. And I, I tell you that the part of the part <laughs> that story, that's part of least the, you know, it's entertaining to me is that at that time, the Chiefs were 0 and 10 and Charles and Dwayne wanted to take a picture with Charles Barkley. And Charles said, hold on, y'all are 0 and 10. I'm not sure I want to take my picture with you. Oh, man. Well, then I looked at uh, Dwayne Bowe's hand, who has a national championship LS, you know, LSU ring on. I said, hold on, Charles. How many of those do you have? And I pointed to the, the, cha- the world championship, national championship ring for uh-huh. Dwayne Bowe.
0: Yeah. Chuck never got one of those never at Auburn. Never got one of
1: those. Never Auburn or at the Suns or the 76ers. And, yeah. And then Charles stood up. And Charles is a big man. Yes, he is. He stood up and put his finger in my chest. And said, uh, blank you, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, but I like you. <laughs> so that, that ended better that, than it could that, have. I was a worried, worried for a half a second, but he goes. Um, and uh, so then you know, those two kind of talked a little bit, and, and Charles and I were, were, were friends the rest of the night and watched some basketball together, and, and I had a good time.
0: That's hilarious. And, and bold and, and just a little dangerous. He's a little dangerous. Yeah, because yes. yeah, that is a large man.
1: Well, and, and uh, of course, it was fun to hear him tell golf stories. And uh, as a guy who swings almost as good as Charles Barkley, right. maybe just work on the same level, he's awful, so am <laughs> I. It was fun to compare <laughs> stories. And he would tell stories about golfing with Tiger Woods. And one of the, one of the funny stories, they both hit a drive, and they're walking, and, and Tiger said, Charles, did you hear about that new target they built? And Charles goes, what target are you talking about? He goes, the one they built between your ball and mine. <laughs>
0: That's funny. Yeah. You know, uh, you, I don't know if you've ever done any fantasy football. Or, oh, yeah. Just uh, just
1: lost the first round of the playoffs. So. Yeah.
0: I've got based, unless there's a miracle tonight, I lost one of mine too. But uh, you might appreciate this. One of my fantasy football leagues, my team name for a very long time now has been Somewhere Over Dwayne-Bow. <laughs>
1: Cousin D, uh, cousin, cousin D. D,
0: cousin D. I'm going to rename it cousin D. Well, you we talk about Charles and basketball. Uh, also for our listeners out there, Ron played college basketball. Mid American Nazarene, I yes, believe. Pioneers. We uh, we won't list the years. We won't age you. Uh, but what was it like being a pioneer?
1: Oh, well, loved it. Yeah. You know, it's uh, you know I look back at a lot of experiences, and you know obviously college is great, and the, you know the academics and and the learning how to learn kind of things, and uh, learning economics or government. Um, psychology, but for me, uh, the bond that's built with those with your teammates and what you go through, um, those are life lessons that you carry with you. Yeah. And how to work together, how do you overcome adversity, um, and how do you 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 basically achieve goals um, together as a, as a unit. That's that's life lessons that I'm very very fond of and some of the best times.
0: Uh, I may be all wet about this, and if I am, we'll <laughs> edit it out of the podcast later, but. Did you get to bring your coach up to the Capitol or something like that <laughs> later on?
1: Yeah, uh, Coach Lock- Rocky Lamar, uh, he, re- yeah, he recruited me up to the high school. Now, here's something you know, a lot of the, a lot of the, the coaches that, that that brought me in, and they'd tell me things like, "Hey, you you know, you could probably start your first year. We could really use you." Well, uh, Coach Lamar, his line to me was, "You're probably not going to play for me, but uh, good luck."
0: That was his recruiting scoot- it, it, it pitch. It worked.
1: It worked, <laughs> um, and I was able in my last two years to start for him, but. You know yeah, he, 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 he was inducted into, the, I believe also to the uh, NEIA Hall of Fame or the College Basketball Hall of Fame, um, had uh, I don't know, numerous uh, amount of wins, and we brought him to the House floor to, to give him a, a congratulatory uh, congratulate him and, and part of that was to go to the governor's office. and uh, at the time it was Governor Brown back and he signed a uh, piece of paper celebrating his accomplishments and we had a whole, the whole team there, so it was, it was quite the experience. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the fun stories. Yeah. So did your kids pick up the gene? Got little athletes in the crew? Uh,
1: yeah, you know, I've got uh, th- three kids. My daughter Haley, um, who played volleyball up until her sophomore, excuse me, her freshman year, then realized that yearbook was her thing, and man, she took off and was editor of the yearbook.
0: She'll uh, she'll make more money as an editor.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. And uh, and then I've got uh, my son, who's now uh, my middle son. He's now a junior, who's who's six five and playing basketball at Blue Valley Southwest and. and uh, uh, there, here in Johnson County, and then I got seventh grader uh, Chase, who we just—I uh, co- I coach his team still. And Saturday we we are down ten and uh, uh, pulling close at halftime and one by ten. So we're pretty excited about that, our last victory last Saturday. I
0: assume that with that comeback victory was a direct result of an impassioned halftime speech <laughs> from the coach.
1: <laughs> That's pretty funny. And this is get me in trouble, but I remember telling them <laughs> that they weren't working that hard and they, they weren't Democrats and. <laughs> You know, I may have to apologize to some parents later, but it did, it did motivate them, and uh, you know, our defense, our defense intensity, it skyrocketed. And you want to see some seventh graders box out? You, uh, you call them the D word.
0: It's good to
1: know. Next time I've got
0: a seventh grade coaching assignment, I'll I'll know how to motivate now. That's yep. funny. Um, well, changing gears again. Um, this being the the QBS Express ACEC Kansas podcast, you know, we honestly don't talk a whole lot of public policy when we bring elected officials on here. We're really just more interested in getting to know the person and, and more about you. Um, but being an ACEC Kansas podcast with a QBS Express title, <laughs> I would be remiss if I didn't um, offer a word of thanks and maybe share with our listeners. Uh, qualifications-based selection, QBS is you know probably arguably the single biggest issue we pursue and for those of us that work in the design world it it seems obvious that that's what you would do but for folks that don't work in design and construction every day particularly design that's not always necessarily the case and you know current state law calls for the use of qbs has forever Uh, but there are always seems like recurring efforts to push that back one of those came up two or three years ago and um This is really turning into a testimonial, Ron, more than a question, but that's okay. I want our listeners on the ACC podcast to know you took a lot of time with us um, and wanted a lot of information about procurement, uh, scope of services, you know, why it's different for design than construction, and really, you know, got shoulder deep into it. You were a committee chair when we first started this conversation, then speaker later on, and in both cases, it um, took a lot of time to understand that issue and have ended up supporting our efforts to maintain QBS as a state law. So uh, I didn't turn that into a question, and maybe it's just a testimonial, but I think our listeners will be appreciative of knowing that and I think probably need to hear it because we really appreciate the support. It's a big issue for
1: us. Well, thanks, Scott. You know, it's, it is an issue that if you look, you know, I pride, my, pride myself in to be fiscally conservative and a budget hawk. And, you know, um, so, but I also get reminded you get what you pay for. And when you do look at that issue in, in QVS and you look at the, the, the span and life cycle of projects, you need to look at the entire picture. Yep. And so, uh, we, you know, we, we're obviously we want uh, the, the, the best efficiencies we can find, we want projects that, that, can, that can perform um, and, and, and be in a situation where you actually can save money in the long run by being a little smarter up front.
0: Yeah, well just your use of the term life cycle cost of the project. I mean that's the kind of thing that and we don't mean to you know be critical of anyone that doesn't know what that is. You're not expected to if you're not in the industry, but taking the time to learn those kind of things, very cool. So uh, so that's our one token policy issue of the day. <laughs> Want to pick up another subject that's uh, near and dear to my heart as we get close to wrapping up the podcast here. Uh, I never miss a chance to uh, note that one of my guests loves a classic country western music artist uh, and you, sir, are a card-carrying Waylon Jennings fan.
1: Boy, I I sure am. um, I appreciate you asking that question. (laughs) Near near
0: and dear to my heart, sir. Uh, Favorite Waylon Jennings song?
1: Um, I've always been crazy
0: but it's kept me from going insane. Got it. Yeah, outstanding. Um, I suppose that is practically a theme song these days when you continue to run for office.
1: It it, it definitely is. And and speaking of theme songs, I believe how I became a Wheeling Jennings fan is – the theme song to the dukes of hazard
0: oh yes
1: Yeah, and I'm, I'm i keep telling myself it was you know probably the, the the cousins bo and luke that it, that got me involved in that show more than daisy uh, yeah i'm um, gonna say i
0: know which cousin probably caught yeah, your yeah
1: i'm not i'm not sure but we'll just say that that um that was the
0: <laughs> <laughs> a formative experience for guys our age
1: yeah that it was it was the cars it was the wrecking of all the cars absolutely
0: and, it was the charger but you,
1: that, that charger and um and so that that was always the theme song, Duke of Hazard, which then basically introduced me to Waylon and yeah. uh, been a fan ever since.
0: But you know, that song that your favorite is one of my favorite lines in country music. I mean, how clever is it? I've always been crazy, but it's kept me from going insane. I think that's awesome.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of legislators listening to this will probably agree that I've always been crazy. So <laughs> i uh probably shouldn't talk more about uh, wayland jillians and right song.
0: yeah well we'll move on well hey we're uh <laughs> we're gonna wrap up with this we always like to ask our guests um lightning questions whatever you want to call it just some questions uh answer with whatever comes off your mind uh first or if it's a handful of things list them out whatever but first thoughts if i ask you um favorite thing to read whether that is a book or a specific author or a journal or a magazine uh what would you say
1: you know that's a that's a that's a fun question. Um, it kind of depends on the, the mood that I'm in. Um, you know, kind of kind of relates to this position. I read um, uh, Doris Kearn's Goodwin's book on, on Lincoln, and that was um, it was very interesting to see her perspective and his pers- and Lincoln's perspective, what he went through, um, obviously with the the Civil War, but prior to that, bringing in uh, so many opposing views to his inner circle to really discuss issues and not be so many times in business or in politics we tend to uh, just listen to folks that we agree with and that's not what Lincoln did and so reading her book reminded me of that we try to do that when we can and uh, then I had a chance to meet her the summer um, and so you're kidding you met her? yeah I met her the summer wow and, and, then, and I think politically she's f- very far left of where I am uh-huh. uh, but it doesn't mean that we can't find common ground and, and realize and learn from our, our past leaders and her book um uh, right now that that she that she just wrote on uh, leadership and, and highlights four presidents that i'm i 'm getting ready to i 'm starting to read now is another one that i 'm looking at that talks about what some of the presidents did and their their styles of leadership
0: very cool that 's awesome you got to meet her too yeah you have an esteemed list of friends and guests sir. uh well last question of the day let 's wrap up with this um I always like we never put our guests in a position where they have to say something critical or negative about their peers, but we love putting questions out there that gives you an opportunity to say something positive about your peers. Um, Tell me about a person or an experience or an issue, uh, but a person if you've got one, where you've had a positive experience working across the aisle in terms of party. You know, the perception the public often has thanks in large part to the news and the way it's reported is that it's just constant, partisan bickering up there and you know i know from working with the legislature that yeah, there's a little bit of that but there's also conversations that go on all the time so anyway having said all that uh somebody that you've had a great experience working with across the aisle
1: you know obviously this kind of questions should get you in trouble um, well it's, it's meant
0: it's meant to give you a chance to cast a compliment well, so i hope it doesn't get only, you in trouble only
1: because of the ones that you omit sure you know and, and I, I think of uh john wilson who's no longer there but currently um, a, a member who serves there and served well, be, well before I got there, and and, uh, and has a vast a uh, lot of experience in it for the right reason is Representative Barbara Ballard. Yeah, uh, uh, Representative Ballard was my vice chair. Or excuse me, our ranking member when I was Social Service Budget Chair. Uh-huh. Um, I was I was in the legislature for my not my even my my first term second year, and I was chair of the Social Service Budget. It's a very complicated budget, uh, lots of initials. So probably more initials and in, and in, in things than in engineers deal with. Um, Well, that might be possible, but there's a lot of things, a lot of terms I didn't understand. And she was very patient with me, and and it kind of, it it was very, uh, explaining how the process worked and some things that are important, and and whenever I want to go a direction, she would say, Honey, you can do that, but here's the other side of that, and I really appreciated that. And uh, then when I was appropriations chair, Barbara was on my committee, and I, I got the same experience with her. Uh, Same thing as speaker. I could always go to Barbara and say, "Representative Ballard, can you uh, explain the side uh, where your perspective is?" And she's uh, very gracious with her time, and uh, her knowledge is is very much appreciated. Yeah,
0: that's a great pick. She really is a joy to work with, isn't she? Yes. Um, Good heart and the patience of Job.
1: That's that's accurate. Yeah.
0: Cool. Well, very good. Well, hey, we're going to wrap up. Um, Can't thank you enough for coming by the podcast, Ron. We've been looking forward to having you. Really appreciate you making time to visit with our listeners and uh wish you the best of luck in the 2019 session and thanks for all you do
1: well scott thanks for having me on and 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 thanks for the work you do in the the state house and the information that you and your firm uh, that you the folks you work with the the information you provide to us um and and the service you do um, for our state We, we sure appreciate it
0: yeah glad to do it that's why we're here so podcast listeners uh speaker of the house ron reichman hope you've enjoyed it stay tuned for the next uh podcast episode coming out soon